the show was incredible, but that was like, wow, mm. that was amazing. But I think for you, the best part was you getting that ticket for the first show eventually. Yeah, yeah, that was really And nice. that started off the weekend for you guys really well. Yeah. And well, yeah. what about the... Uh, I mean, Don't talk about this. This is the show. What? This is the show. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up and start the show. Okay, fine, fine. Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain, why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? It's just like a story chest of ideas. Either version, I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast we are back again for another exciting episode no it's not an album review ladies and gentlemen but it is a review of sorts we're going to be talking about montreux switzerland montreux jazz festival 2013 and bringing a special guest to the round table but before we go into that let's introduce the panel it is toe jam yo player release the dvd and captain some people's gone to switzerland <laughs> Yeah, it was MC and Nikki, and that's right, there's our special guest. Everyone, welcome Nikki to the show. Yay! Hi, gentlemen. (laughs) Hello, this is exciting. This is the first time, first or second, potentially second time in the history of Peach and Black that we've got our female counterpart on the Peach and Black. So it's a very exciting moment, and... Aren't we counting, Captain? Who better... <laughs> well, I didn't want to say anything. What are you talking about? Don't make me cry. <laughs> We've got five. Yeah, the pe- show has been in dire need of a, a female voice, someone who can represent the ladies. Well, we'll see how so I'll try to do my best. They might, the ladies. <laughs> they might want you to hang around. Let's see how we go. Um, but we're really happy to have Nikki here, and this is basically a Montreux special. So anything about Montreux goes. I'm just going to jump straight into it. Nikki, please interject at any time. And guys, if you've got anything to say, just... I've got something to say straight just, away. Just yell it. All right, it's your show, Tokem. <laughs> Go right ahead. Take it away. Now, okay, I've heard this speech uh, several times. I- I've seen enough prints. I- I've had my fill. I love you know, I love the music, but I-, I really feel like I've seen enough. <laughs> yep. This is what, 2008 or something? Yeah, I, you know, I saw enough on the Australian tour, you know. Next thing you know, hey, you, want, you want to come to Montreal? You want to come to Montreal? <laughs> Um, I would love to, but circumstances, then it, MC goes off to Montreux, comes back. Oh, I loved it. It was a great show. You can do a podcast out there for anyone who's listening. So what'd you think? Oh, it was great. It's great. But you know, I, I really feel like I've, um, I've, I've had my feel now, you know, I love Prince, love his music, but I really feel like I've, I've had enough now. Um, 2010, he gets, to, he gets to go to New York, gets to, gets to meet Prince and, and the crew and comes back. How was it, MC? Oh, it was great. It was really good. Got to meet Prince and all this. And, but, you know, I really feel like I've, I've had my feel now. <laughs> I really feel like I've, I've kind of moved on with my life. And, <laughs> and then... That was... Uh, what was next? 2011. <laughs> what, what was 2011? Oh, that's right. 
North Sea Jazz Festival. Oh, you want to come to North Sea Jazz? You want to come to North Sea Jazz? I would love to MC, but, um, you know, circumstances permitting. And so off he goes, comes back. Oh, how was it MC? Oh, it was great. You know, the podcast wow. is out there as well. You know, I really feel like I've had my fill now. You know, I've, I've, I've seen enough prints. <laughs> we know where the story's going. Even, even last year in the Australian tour, you know, oh no, I'm only going to go to the Sydney shows. I'm not, I've had enough. I'm not going to go to Brisbane or Melbourne. You know, two days before the last show. You want to come to Melbourne? You want to come to Melbourne? <laughs> I bet once more. I got to hand it to you. Top job, top effort. <laughs> Made it to Montreux. I, I, wish, great. Cool. I wish you were there with me the whole way. But this is what happens. I come back with pneumonia, Tojen, so I suffer for my art. Your but art. When I, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I think about it, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, five years straight. That's um. Is, is there a is there a more dedicated Prince fan in terms of in terms of going to these overseas shows? I I'd, I'd like to meet. Well, them. when you hear about Nikki's from story, Australia, not from you know not well, from like when you hear about Nikki's story into trying to get into the venue, into trying getting into the auditorium Stravinsky. I think she might she might have me for dead of pure physical dedication there, but we'll get into that later. It's not dedication, it's stalking. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a fine line, MC MC. We might have to have an intervention here. So. <laughs> Can we do it offline, please? Yeah, look, even, Prince, even Prince said himself, there's that guy again. He's following me everywhere. <laughs> His eyes glaze over as that T-shirt was held up in the auditorium. I, I will, like, I will mention joking. that because, yeah, I'll go, I'll go into some details. But you're, you're right, Tojem. It's, it's been a bit of a – it's been a journey and it's been incredible. And don't shoot me here, but I have to say something. And it, from the bottom of my heart, I'm being 100% real with everyone here. Really, this time, I really do think I've had my fill. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just been too much. I mean, five years in a row, and then I, I saw the, the 2003 tour. I've heard about every song I think I could ever hear that that was on the list. You know, the the live songs that you want to hear done by Prince and the band. I, I think I've been there and done that. It's time to move over and let some of the younger fans through. And you know, you mean, you mean to tell me that if he comes to Australia and does like the Sydney Opera House, you're not going? Look, you've, you've had your fill, haven't you? Look, I think I think if it's around the corner from my house, oh, I come just, on, man, I might walk past and see that his scalp is out. Hang on, hang on. The most important thing that is going to come out of this whole episode is you saw Endorphin Machine. I'll get. Uh, I'll oh get, yes. to get to that. Get to that. <laughs> that's that's all I need to know. The rest, get, I don't care. <laughs> I get to that. I'll get Shout to out that. to Joshy there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Without the sign, <laughs> we didn't need the sign this time. Uh, well, well oh, I, can't, I can't even remember where we're at. So, okay, let, let's start at the beginning, everyone. It's it's night one, and the queues are already you know half a mile long by the time I get there. Uh, I think Nikki was already in the line uh, with Orlando. Shout out to Orlando as well. I know he's listening. Yay. Um, and um, everyone else who was there, as the names come back to me, I'll, uh, I'll put the shout out, shout outs uh, into the show. But yeah, I, I got there late on night one. I was lucky to score tickets. That's my story. Uh, Nikki, you were there from what time? God, I was there from... Embarrassingly enough, I was there from about 11.30 in the morning. Um, but I was also there, you know, trying to represent Peach and Black and meet a lot of people. Yeah. Um, trying? What do you mean <laughs> Well, some what, people we, we were running away. We sent, uh, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, it was the first day, so everybody was still trying to get to know each other. Um, you know what it's like in lines like this where you spend 10 hours a day with everybody for three days in a row. By the end of the week, everybody was in love with each other. It was a giant love fest. Practically married. Um, 
practically married, yeah. Um, so I, the, the biggest part about that first day, the Saturday, was the lack of, the absolute lack of security and um, festival organization, it was it was a travesty. Really, you'd think they they would have known what they were doing. Um, we were the doors. We were there from eleven thirty, say, lining outside the venue. Because you you didn't two, have a ticket at that point. Is that well, right? I didn't have a ticket for Monday actually, but there were two lines. So there was a line for the people with tickets, and there was a really tiny little line for the box office, which I just I, I sort of turned up in the morning not expecting to actually go to the show. I went in with Orlando, was going to drop him off in the line and just go explore Montreux. But then they said, no, this is a box office line. You might as well just sit down. They're going to open and, you know, tickets will be on sale for face value at 4 p.m. And there was like eight people sitting there so I thought oh my god of course I'm gonna stay because I you know why am I here to just go to two shows if I can get in I'm gonna go so I ended up doing the whole queuing thing all day as well so Orlando was in one side of the queue people had been there from 8 a.m there was some there was some really crazy amazing interesting people I will tell you that so at 2 p.m the doors open for everyone to start to come into the venue and get your wristbands for the people that have their tickets at about five to two, you saw the bounce, the sort of bouncer guys come to the glass doors and there was the beginning of what became like a tradition for the next three days of surging, of the crowd surging and there being no security. So people were getting really, really hurt. These doors opened at 2 p.m. and it was like the running of the bulls. I've never seen anything like it before. For a venue that was maybe 4,000 people, you know, it wasn't a stadium or anything, but it was, it was so crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I think I've got some footage of it. And there was some footage of it on French TV, I believe, as well. Yes. These people running through to get their wristbands and then running over to take their place in line again to sit at the front of the gates and the barricades before you run up the stairs into the stadium. So people had lined up from 9am. It's now 2pm. They run, they get their wristbands and they, you know, 30 seconds, run again, sit on the ground and you're there again till 730 PM. You know, it's 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 dedication. It's really it's really dedication. I got my ticket at about four, and then I joined Orlando, and then everybody. You know what happens? Everyone panics, and at about six PM, everybody stood up and surged forward into like sardines, like and, toy and, soldiers. And you're not really going anywhere. Like you're no, just... you you can't you can't move. So why does everybody stand up? Everybody just panics for some reason. And then we all stood there till quarter to eight from like six. It was, it's hard. It's hard work being a Prince fan at Montreux with no security. So that was the first day. And then, I mean, eventually when I think it was 7.30, quarter to eight, when they did open the barricades to let everybody run up into the, I had a game plan because I'd been with UMC and you'd done Montreux before. So you told me which way I needed to run to get the best, you know, the prize, the prize position. Yeah. Everybody runs off to the left. He's like, no, Nikki, you run off to the right. So me and Orlando, we, we ran off to the right and we sort of came in at the very back of the stadium and just did this bolt straight through. We were like second row in front of just to the left of the mic. Amazing. You know, we weren't even in line all day. So it was pretty good. It was a good effort. But um, the story is, that's not even the story. The story was that first surge, which is on, is on YouTube. It is on French TV. Um, I've never seen, I've never seen security or a lack of organization. So like there were, I had my hair pulled. I was scratched. I was pushed. I, a man, like a six foot something man, literally picked me up by the shoulders and sideswiped me to get through. 
This is how crazy the European Prince fans are, and the men. They will stop at nothing to see their icon, their hero. I, w- I, I, was, you know, I was gobsmacked. Like, I've never experienced anything like that before. It was amazing. Not, not since the Ivy, anyway. <laughs> no, not since Ivy. <laughs> yeah. Not since Ivy. So the, compared to those crazy European fans, we're nothing. We are, we're, not, we're not hardcore. We're rubbish. <laughs> we're, just like, we're just like little rabbits hopping around. We're nothing. It's really, it, it's, I mean, it sounds crazy what Nikki's saying, but, and, and I didn't even see that, but I've experienced it before. And, you know, I've seen the footage on French TV and all that kind of stuff. But it is, there's something peculiar about it all because I've seen similar scenes, you know, like Springsteen fans and all that kind of stuff. I, I reckon probably, if I have to think, Maybe Michael Jackson. Yeah, MJ fans. I was just about yeah. to say. Probably be similar, I guess. You know, like going absolutely nuts. But yeah. um, there was a lady that fainted and had to get pulled out of the queue. Yeah, well, there, I mean, there yeah, was that stuff was happening during the third night, during the third Eye Girl show, during one of the songs. I think it might have been Bambi. Even one of the women, no joke, fainted in the audience, and someone came through and grabbed her from around where where I was standing, kind of to the yeah. right right of stage. So that must have been one of the, those Italian girls. Yeah, I think so. You know, they'd probably perfect, been perfect there. song. Probably been there. Well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably been there twelve hours, you know, was waiting to hear that, oh, yeah. to hear him play Bambi, and then you know get yeah. carried out. But so hopefully she's okay. But yeah, that, I mean that, that was absolutely nuts. And then you know it's night one. Uh, I don't so, know. You didn't have a ticket, and you got a ticket. I'm not going to not going to go into the long story because <laughs> okay. it's 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 uh, as funny as it is. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. I didn't have a ticket. In fact, Nikki will probably remember this as she was standing in the box office line to get her ticket. I rock up with two or three massive suitcases. <laughs> we had just flown in after lunch, and we're basically, my wife and I are standing in the box office line with our suitcases. We haven't even checked into the hotel. We just, we've just basically joined everyone else. <laughs> we're here to stay. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that was crazy, but we we're already there, so we had to do it. And we missed out getting tickets yeah. from the box office by maybe I don't know, four, six people. You know, there were like three couples in front of us that also missed out. And, you know, we'd been standing there for like two and a half, three hours, I reckon. And, you know, it was annoying, but then, you know, we had to check in. So we left. And out of all places, I go on to Prince.org on the wireless <laughs> and see this post by some guy. This, Nikki. Gentleman, this gentleman plays a big part. Yeah, he does. Three, by the way. <laughs> he does. This so you have to give him a shout out. Yeah, well, it should, yeah he's massive, amazing. We love him. Massive shout out to Mo Bean in London or wherever, <laughs> wherever he's at. But I think everyone who was at Montreux will know who I'm talking about <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, what's the best way to describe Mo Bean? I would just say hairstyle. Hair yeah, hair. alone. It's all about the hair. That's that's the, the best descriptor. But anyway, cut a very long story very short. He's selling, I don't know, four tickets or something, and I only need two. You know, he basically has other buyers, and it's, it's like a, you know, um, it's a bidding war for these, you know, supposedly <laughs> last four Prince tickets for night one. And anyway, it, it came to the point, ladies and gentlemen, that I had to use my celebrity status... <laughs> Within the community. What did you say? The conversation. You know what you said? You said, don't you know who I am? That's oh, what you no, said. You can't, you can't say that. Lines, 
But basically, what happened? He threatened was, him. He said, "I'm going to pay the shit out of you on my podcast." <laughs> and so, you know, we're perfect strangers, and he's basically saying, "Look, I've got all these other people bidding, and you know, if you can pay me via, you know, instantly, you can send you the tickets." Now, I couldn't do that at the time. All I could do was pay him cash after the event, and you know, you can understand someone thinking, "Well, this is kind of tr- their PDF." online tickets so the idea was he sends me the tickets i go to the show and he hopes that this guy that he never has never met pays him <laughs> after the gig i perfectly understand <laughs> mobin's dilemma right he rings me back and so yes captain i opened it up and i said look uh, this is about the last thing i can think of i really don't want to i really didn't want to do this i didn't want to go there you know I didn't, yeah, I, that's right player. But have you ever heard of the peach and black podcast <laughs> <laughs> And for the, I swear for the first like 20 seconds, it's just silence on the other end. <laughs> and, 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 and then all are the, you, are you used to that though? And then, yeah, yeah, I get that from you guys. And then, so there's, there's, there's silence, right? But Mystified like, silence. There's yeah. laughter in the distance and it's like coming through and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then he goes, we love the Beach and Black podcast. We love the show. And, and you know, long story short, I say, well, guess who you're talking to? <laughs> it was, it was such a proud moment. <laughs> you can't use your pseudo fame for things like that. I, I was running out of options. I was desperate. Yeah, it's You're in desperate. Taste. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine Prince calling up a pizza place and going, "I need some pizzas." Oh, we can't do it. We can't do it. Don't you know, you know who, who I am? No, 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 no. What he says is, what he. No, no, no he doesn't play that card. What he says is, have you, have you heard of the Peach and Black podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I met MC in 2010. <laughs> and they talk about me. me. They talk about me all the time. <laughs> and yes, I've heard the show. So anyway, I actually get tickets from Mobeen. Thank you again, Mobeen and crew. Thank you for the tickets. Um, we sorted it all out and we can continue our review of Night One. Uh, Nikki, so it happens with Strays of the World. Well, yeah, I'll let Nikki take over because I didn't. I, I'll come into this pseudo review when I actually entered the venue because I was about half an hour late. Yeah, you were a bit late. So take it away. Yeah, God, I'm. You know that moment where like four thousand people like let out this audible sigh of sexual tension, relief. We get oh, that all the time oh, on the show. Yeah, you don't know that feeling. You don't. Well, so that didn't. Happened when Shelby and the girls started with Shades of Shades of the World. That happened about five minutes after that when the man walked on stage, like with a swagger I have not seen him with in a long time. You have to remember I was like second row deep. I could see his eyelashes. Like I was so close. I was standing there with Orlando. We were both like fangirling out. Yes, Orlando was fangirling out. (laughs) Uh, And I, I mean... Literally, there were men and women just, I've never seen this before, grown-ass men just going absolutely crazy, like, like having, like, like, they were, like, there were puddles, like, grown men (laughs) over this guy, like, and you see, the first thing you see is the fro, it's the sweat, yeah, you, you see the fro, you see the fro, I don't know what to say about the fro, the fro is like nearly a for you fro. It's like the original 1978 fro back with Avengers. Um, and it looks fro really... It's a fro, it's a fro, fro you. you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, Terrible. he came on. So they did Strays of the World. I had, you know, it. the thing with Strays is that if it was the original version with Prince actually singing, 
for those people that know the song, it would have been an epic moment, but it was a bit watered down. It was just an intro. The girls came out, the horns came out, they're taking their positions. And then Days of Wild kicks in and then, you know, it all kicks off from there. It was, it was incredible. I sort of lost my mind for about five minutes. I probably didn't regain consciousness about until probably like mutiny, maybe. Cause there's the beginning of, we've been waiting for Montreux for six months, you know, like, it's 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 an unbelievable feeling to just be standing in that like auditorium in Switzerland in the most beautiful magical place in the world watching and he's right there he's finally right there you know it's finally happening and he was on form from the get go like i don't know if that guy had i don't know what he does but the man's energy is just unbelievable b12, oh, b12. vitamin b12 <laughs> in the back yes yeah, so um i guess the one thing to say is that this was like the um the premiere real concert of the new lineup. Like, was a 21-piece band? 11 Horns, the Third Eye Girl, the girls, Cassie, uh, Liv Shelby, Elisa, and Prince. Like, it's a big, it's a big setup. It's a, it's a full, it's a full band. Um, and it takes your breath away. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you count um, Damaris as a band member? No, she, well, no. <laughs> um... She's as much a part is, of the is, MPG as Tony M and, and Damon <laughs> look, D. No, I, look, I, I talk about musicianship. We'll talk about Jamara. She's like, her and Josh, they, they get the crowd going. They dance. There's a lot of dancing in these two NPG shows. It was a bit, um, it's like, cabaret's not the right word because that makes it sound less than it was, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Prince doesn't pick up an instrument for these two shows. He's just playing band leader. He's got, 11 guys on horns. He's got the third eye girl in there. He's got Damaris dancing. I mean, there's so much to sort of keep your mind on and just track that. And he's controlling all of it with you. So you see him like do a little flick of the finger and all of a sudden, you know, Cassie comes in and starts playing. I don't know what, whatever, but it's just incredible to watch how much finesse he has with these, with this band. I don't know how long they've been in rehearsals, probably for about a year now with the horns, but. I mean, they were ready. They were having fun, um, and they made the audience have fun. Like, I know people were complaining because it wasn't Third Eye Girl right off the bat and Prince don't, doesn't play an instrument, but the people that complain about that, to me, are the worst kind of fans. Like, Prince gives us everything in him that he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to do anything for us, yet he gives us this amazing new lineup, this funk, rock, pop, fusion npg show with third eye girl there as well with Ida just sitting there on the bass like a boss you know hannah's just ripping it at the back donna's donna's you know donna's doing they're amazing i loved these shows i love the npg i think they're amazing i don't think i think they get a little bit of backlash just because prince was playing band leader and if he was if he had a guitar at the same time as leading these 20, 21 other people, people wouldn't complain. I just think people need to, like, lighten up and enjoy it for what it is. Like, who? why do we think we deserve... We don't tell him what to do. We enjoy him. We do. This is Peach and Blake really podcast. really pisses me off. We tell what him what to do. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> some of the, like... And he usually does it. <laughs> but that's, enough. that's a whole Ooh. other story, though. But yeah, oh, as true as that is, Captain. <laughs> like, from an outsider, someone who wasn't there, and just trying to read comments and stuff, like, there was a bit of negativity, but I thought the overall 
trend was, you know, most people seem pretty positive. I, I thought so too. Oh, no, it absolutely was. But I just pick up on the negativity because it, ups, it upsets me. I don't see yeah. I don't see what the point is. I don't see a place for it. Montre- these three Montreux nights were unbelievable. Why does – nobody's got time for negativity. Like, pack that shit up and walk it out the door. We don't need it. <laughs> I completely agree with you on that. And, and the thing is – and to Toejam's point, the, the majority of the feedback from the fans and from the press, whatever they're worth, was incredibly positive. There was a whack article written by some guy. I wish I remembered his name. But he writes for The Independent in the UK. And, I mean, his article was, was not even worth reading. Uh, it was barely a review. It was more like a just a bad dream that the guy had that never actually happened. You know, like he's just yeah. he's talking about something that didn't happen, basically. So why it, were you, why were you late? You were out there like looking for Seven Eleven. You were looking for a Slurpee. No, he's hustling for tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but the hustling for tickets part is partially true. But I just I didn't think. Remember, I didn't think I was going to night one. So then I get these tickets, and the the real reason, Captain, um, is was, that he, he was arguing with the guy at the door. He was saying, "Don't you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> it's MC for God's sake. But uh, I I actually couldn't. I mean, this is going to sound incredibly boring to our listeners, but I couldn't print the PDF tickets from the place that I was staying. I can believe that. And so it was. I I mean, we tried three different printers. You know, I'm waiting, and but oh, you know, I was I was pretty cool. I wasn't stressing out too much because I knew that there were another two nights coming up. Uh, I knew Nikki and Orlando would, would have been having an, an awesome time. It wasn't a big deal. And so th- that's, that's the reason why I was late. But what I what I do want to say is the moment I walked into the room with a swagger... <laughs> um, <laughs> was no throw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was literally the first four bars of Old Friends for Sale. And see... Yes. The whole experience for me was was absolutely nuts because walking in at that moment in particular because I had not been paying attention to anything about Montreux in the weeks, months leading up to it. Oh, I hadn't yeah. watched the you spreecast. You kept saying to us, don't tell us, don't tell, don't us, tell me anything know. about the set list. I don't, know what, I don't want to know what they're doing. Exactly. And, and you guys, you know, you came good. You didn't tell me anything. I had no idea. Um, the only thing I did know was that there were going to be two MPG shows and one Third Eye Girl show because I overheard that, but I knew nothing else. So I walk into the room and it's like a big band version of live, big band live version of Old Friends for Sale. And I'm literally like, you know, in Prince Heaven here. This is a song that we've spoken about a lot on the show. You know, we reviewed the album and all that kind of stuff, but it's, I mean, what a track to walk into and what an amazing version. It, it was short. You know, it was like two and a half, three minutes long, but the horn, and, and the other thing is the horns. I mean, the horn arrangement on that, on that song is, is awesome, but it's the first moment, the first time that I'm hearing this 11 piece horn section and they were so good. I mean, they were, they were really incredible. I can't find the words to say what kind of sound. I mean, Nikki knows what I'm talking about. It, like this, it just filled the room and they, they're they really on. Too. Yeah, exactly. That's also true. I mean, and they, like they're on point visually, they're on point musically. And, you know, Prince's vocals on that track, I just have to say, although we're not doing a song by song review, I have to say on Old Friends for Sale, they were bluesy, they were sexy, and the background vocals killed it as well. The horns are coming in and out of the track. It was just goosebumps. I, I had goosebumps yeah. in the room from the moment I walked yeah. in and, 
and um, it just <coughs> it got even better from there. Yeah, it, it was it was just nuts. I mean, they, they, they. I think I think old friends was surpassed then by dark. I, because <laughs> when they they when they went into dark, Prince was doing these like vocal quivers that were like. Oh my god! I was looking next. I was looking at my friend, and we just I, like the women understand what I'm trying to say. Like it I'm was happy you're saying un- that. It was unbelievable. I didn't want to verbalize it the way you just did. <laughs> no, but no, but and you know how Prince he had um all of these black towels to wipe his brow, you know, wipe the sweat, you know, as in any concert, people jump up to grab these these towels as a memento or a keepsake. The guy next to me caught it and he was with his girlfriend and I thought he was going to hand it over to her he grabbed it and shoved it down his shirt <laughs> looked at her like nah <laughs> keep it this one and she just crossed her arms and looked at him like damn you oh it was funny grown ass men weak at the knees over this guy Dark was unbelievable Every, if anyone knows me they know Dark is maybe my favourite song anyway oh wow um, I yeah. And with and with the um, horn arrangement and the saxophone solo in that song, like it was um, it was an experience. I don't think I'll ever have again. Like that yeah. was my, that was my moment. I think that was my moment. Like there was nobody else in that auditorium. <laughs> just wow! It was just, incredible. just you and Prince and the dark. just me and Prince. Yeah. And, and the thing and the about dark. that song is, it's um, again. I didn't know that this was coming at all, and. We reviewed the album Come about two months before Montreux shows. Coincidence? Who's to say? Maybe we should get a captain on that. But it, it's a pretty rare live outing to, to come, you know, to come to Montreux and, and play that song, to play Dark. Yeah. He did play it yeah. in Chicago, though, so. Yeah, which is like yeah, a year so again, ago. I, I must have not been keeping up because I didn't really, I didn't pay too much attention. But again, so for me, it's a surprise, and I agree with everything that Nikki said. In addition to that, his as incredible as it was, I was just blown away again by his vocals. I mean, he, they were yeah. nuts on Old Friends for Sale, but when he hit the, his, point. yeah, it was nuts. It was like his falsetto was so impressive. And it's now, it's like, it's a little deeper than it, than when he was, than a little while back, you know, like. Look, his voice is just pure sex. <laughs> it is just pure sex. And then it went into something in the water and like, oh my God, it's just, oh, it's just pure sex. It, like, it was amazing. I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed the voice. too. Oh, Does the pure just, sex float on the water? And, uh, oh, but oh, the, the, the way that, no. the way I, 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 I can't get off dark yet, guys, because there's a part in that song that was one of the highlights of that night and possibly one of the musical highlights of that the entire um, Montreux uh, residency, let's call it. There was a part in that song when he was singing the song and Marcus Anderson was playing the sax and they were doing this little duel where Prince would like scream a line into the mic and then hand the mic over to Marcus and Marcus would basically play the equivalent uh, uh, version of that on the sax. And it was just... There was a lot of emotion in that moment. and it- I'm just getting really hot just thinking about it right now. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it was like, you know, and, and the hilarious line by Prince, something like, um, you know, he changed the, 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 the lyrics from the studio version and he goes into something like, I'm going, I've just gone through 14 cans of Windex, but I still can't see because you left me in the dark. <laughs> it's like, you know, even, <laughs> even during such a sublime performance, he sticks in this very unique Prince like humor, I thought that was pretty. And in yeah. fact, it was there was a lot of humor throughout these three nights. Um, but I agree. But no, no, first of all, nice solo, Marcus, baby, that was just smooth as silk. 
And the girls, I have to close on this, background vocalists singing separately and, and creating this massive harmony at the end of that track. It was just so cool. Prince's normal register killed it on this. I, I'm the, the biggest fan of him when he sings in his the mid-range of his voice, you know, like really kind of... It was just pure and raw, and this was nuts. So, <laughs> so the backing vocals were the same as Shelby Liv and uh, Eliza, right? They were, yes. Okay, yeah, and their work on 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 this song, especially towards the end of it, was just incredible. It was like listening to three angels, you know, like yeah, they that, are three angels. It was it was palpable. They looked beautiful. They they have the voices of angels. You're right, and it was Marcus and Prince and the three girls just doing dark, and the five of them. I don't know. I can't. That was it. Was a palpable moment in the room. Like it, it was incredible. Big highlight. Big, big highlight. Yeah, huge highlight. And then into something in the water. And then you've got Cassandra's amazing keyboard solo. Like it just kept getting better and better yeah. and better You're this right. night. Like it's unbelievable. You're right. And and you know, she Prince and Cassandra did that song on the uh, Aussie tour in 2012. And Melbourne, yeah. As good as those versions were, this one just she really brought it. <laughs> Yeah, really, really brought it, and um, yeah. Well, I've heard it's her favorite song to play, and to have to have that song back in the set list, we're we're lucky. We're very lucky, Prince fans. Uh, courting time? Do I even have to mention that again? From a <laughs> from the point of view of not knowing that this was coming up. Okay, Prince wasn't in the room, or at least he wasn't front and center. There was no vocals on this, but just hearing instrumental courting time, nuts. Nuts. I, I never thought I'd get to hear that in my life. So best song. And it's the best song. It is. And and Hannah and I I just wish that he had gone in front of the mic and just done the vocals because the vocals on the studio version are so playful and they're so well timed. Like it's just It would have been great for Mantra. Would have been unbelievable. But yeah. for some oh, it would reason, have been perfect. For some reason he stayed off the mic. And Hannah's drums actually came across really well here. Some of the times throughout these three nights I thought her drumming was out of time. And a bit, I mean, they were loose shows, but some of her drumming to me was a bit loose as well, almost like she was playing in front of the beat. Uh, for any drummers out there, they'll, they'll know what I'm talking about. And, and I, I was scratching my head, but you know, Court in Time was a good example that, that she could really hold it down. And the horns were taking turns at the solos and just all these jazzy runs by the trumpet players. It was more like a rehearsal version, you know, like, Almost like a mini Count Basie orchestra up there and just firing on all cylinders, really strong finish before they, uh, they went into the next part of the show with Get on the Boat and a few other tracks. But I think they did the, like a soul medley and, you know, the jam, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it just became a party by the end of it with, with really the horns. I have to say, I'm as much of a Prince fan as I am. The horns kind of, by that point, they were, they were kind of overtaking the show. And yeah, I they were owning it. Loved it. Yeah, I agree. They they owned it, and they were dancing like these. <laughs> the part of these shows where the the horn players get into do a little dance battle, um, and Prince just walks around, and he had the big conical cone thing that he was sort of talking into, and Damaris comes on, and they're sort of she's they're, they're doing a battle, and Josh Welton comes on. These guys are really talented, and I think I understand why Prince sort of wants to push them to the front. He lets them all have their time. They all get to solo. He's showing them off because he's proud of them, and I just hope that they get the respect that they deserve because it's a really, really great new lineup. Yeah, and it's a and it, like you said, Nikki, it's a big band. You know, it was a big yeah. band for the Welcome to Australia and the Welcome to Chicago and all that, and it's even bigger now. This horn section just yeah. takes takes it into overdrive, and 
You're going to mention get on the boat before. Just tightness on the horns again. You didn't even miss Maceo. (laughs) Not at all. I mean, there was, you know, they were just repeating these horn riffs and and these little Spanish trumpet parts. And I mean, it was like a, a, there was a massive horn ending on that track and it just kept going. It was like the best mix of Tower of Power, Average White Band, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, all the classic horn sections. Yeah. It's just all in one, you know, and um, they did a lot of stuff, you know, like you read the set list, you know, we, we don't have to go through all the details on night one, but you can read the set list online and it doesn't give you a, an accurate account of what it, it actually sounded like unless you were in that room. Yeah, was- the arrangement, the arrangements in some of those songs, I think, were done by Phil Lasseter. And I have to say that that man is so talented. These horn arrangements are off the charts. I have I, I don't know what else to say about these guys, but they're just so talented, and I'm just so glad I got to see them live. Yeah, it was a trip. It, it was like one of those moments, like you pinch yourself. You know, on the Pitch and Black show, we've done we, we we did an episode a long, long time ago about how much we'd love to hear Prince with like a symphony orchestra behind him. Well, this is this is about as close as I think we're ever going to get, and certainly it's the closest I've ever I've ever been. It really is a sight to see, and I could imagine for him it would have been incredible. And, you know, as good as night one was, they did it all again in night two, and it was a different show. I mean, there were some, some songs that they did that they did twice, but by and large it was um, it was a different show. And again, you mentioned the arrangements, but it's, it's also in the performance. Like, it was as tight as the band was and is. It was pretty loose. Like, he was clown... Prince, I'm talking about, it was clowning around... He was in control of the band, but at the same time, how do I put this? It was like the best of both worlds, you know, with a, a flick of the wrist, they could just change direction, you know, and he could yeah. call someone in up on stage to do a solo at a moment's notice, and it was yeah. like a walk in the park. So, yeah, these guys are nuts, and I, I think they, they they deserve all the all the love they're getting from us and from... I, I from said to thing. someone that I think the most... One of the most endearing parts of these two shows, and mind you, I was really close, so I'd like to think I sort of could see it, but Prince was in awe of his band, and that was maybe the best part for me, watching him watch them, if that makes sense. Watching him watch them surpass all his expectations and just bring it. Like These shows were so important. It was Montreux, you know, three headlining nights, new band, Third Eye Girl, new, everyone's new. It's a whole new thing. Prince is even playing. So everything rides on these guys and he was just beaming. He was so proud of them. I just think they're going to continue to be a success as, you know, the new band. So I'm going to ask, um, one of my favourite tracks of recent years is uh, Funk, F-U-N-K, and I know they played that. So what was that like? Well, I've, I've got some notes about that. <laughs> I actually Thank do have some notes. We skipped <laughs> scroll it. back, scroll back. I wasn't going to go. We skipped it. Purple Rain as well. Yeah, we did. I mean, Funk, um, I thought the, the stop-start part of the track was a little a little funny. I, I, I mean, I knew... I knew it work live kind of thing. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was um, like the drums and bass were a bit... They're a bit stop-start, you know, they weren't as smooth as what I would have liked. And the girls were really loud, which is not a bad thing. Um, but I don't know, it was a bit, it was strange. It was a, it was probably, the best way I could describe Funk, the song, live was, you know when you first heard it? I, I know when I first heard the studio version, I was like, what is this? <laughs> well, that, I had a similar reaction when they did it live. I was like, what's going on here? You know, like... There were parts of the song where the backup singers were doing some really cool gospel bits, and then Donna's guitar came in, and 
there's been some talk about Donna's guitar playing and how, how incredible it is and all, and all sorts of other stuff. But really on this song, she came alive to answer your question. It's on, Donna's guitar is on fire during, during that track. But really, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but the horns made funk for me. The bass line's off the charts, but, and I've never heard Cassandra this funky. She was playing some weird stuff on what sounded like a pitch, <laughs> pitch sequencer or like a, she was playing with a pigeon. It was like funky, like a mosquito's tweeter type, type stuff. You know, it was really, really awesome. But it was a slightly odd listen. Maybe it was just hearing it such a rare song. You know, who like, he's playing yeah. Montreux and he pulls out something that is fairly obscure. <laughs> Even by Prince fan standards, so I, I don't know if you remember much of it, Nikki. I don't. I think at that stage, I, I mean, I've, I, uh, as much as I can rack my brain to remember that, it all sort of blurred into one because those arrangements and those um, montages, I guess, these little funk sort of montages, blurred into one at that stage to me. But, but Tojen, you know, I, I have to say before I forget that. We should, and we should have opened the show with this. You would have been on Cloud Nine. I mean, everyone, everyone knows. For anyone that doesn't know, Toe Jams. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> exactly. Horn <laughs> player extraordinaire. Um, Horn and keys at the same time. But you, yeah, I mean, you would have been, your jaw yeah, would no. have been to the floor for, for the, for the whole two hours, you know, on yeah, both nights. You know, Nikki and I are going on and on about these horns, but it's because the impact. <laughs> I've never seen yeah. anything like it at a Prince show. You know, I've seen Macy. Dominate. Yeah. They just dominated, and that's great. Big sound. That's how it should be. Yeah, big sound. And, and uh, I agree. Horns should always dominate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he finished night one with a heartfelt tribute to Purple Rain. I thought it was a really nice, you know, slow version. Yeah, to, to Claude Knobs. I, I, I thought that was really nice. I mean, it was no it guitar was solo. It was, it was just a nice. Well, that's, that's the big thing. Like, um, it is surprising that he didn't play an instrument in the first two shows. I, I find that amazing. Yeah, well, it's. Has there ever been a show where he's never played an instrument? I think that's just the new, that's the new stick. Like that's, they did the South by Southwest and it seems like that was a a run up to these Montreux shows, the rehearsals at Paisley. So not even a Purple Rain. Didn't didn't even play guitar in Purple Rain. No. No, he's just, he's a band leader. That's good because we've all heard it. We've heard Purple Rain with a guitar a a million times. times, Yeah. And Donna, Donna gets to shine. You know, he's letting he's letting his band shine. It doesn't need to all be about him anymore. He can do so much without picking up an instrument. He's got his voice and he can dance and he's got the fro. <laughs> I don't think he needs anything else. <laughs> well I was thinking that like like um you're talking about the Count Basie thing and I was thinking like, you know, those old band leaders, a lot of those guys like they didn't sing, they just you know, they played piano like Duke Ellington just played like played piano and then yeah, arranged yeah. you know, sort of led the band kind of thing. Uh, and it's a similar, I think that's a similar thing I think he's trying to get back to, that, like, the sort of whole idea of the band leader. Yeah, and, and he's always been at the front, but, in, yeah. you know, you're right, and under a different circumstance, he's usually plugged in the honer or some other guitar or, or he's playing the piano or, or whatever the case, but, yeah, I mean, this, South by Southwest may have been, I don't know, the Prince historians will probably correct us, but I think that may have been the first show where he literally did not go near an instrument at all. You know, I don't, I don't think he even played a tambourine <laughs> during South by Southwest. So, and Not he, even and, a cowbell. <laughs> and so, and he didn't do that on night one and night two at Montreux, which when you think about Montreux Jazz Festival and the history and all that, it, it may, that may have been surprising to some people. 
I think the hardcore fans and the you know long time fans probably knew what they were. The, I imagine you know. it would have been one of those things where, like, you probably never even thought about it at the show, and then afterwards you're like, wait a minute. Did you play <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was something like that. But, I mean, you couldn't... I don't know how anyone could leave disappointed. Um, I certainly didn't. It was it was an amazing night, only to be followed in night two by more of the same, in a way. You know, it, completely different set list, but still as intense, still as tight. If anything, I thought... I don't know about you, Nikki. I thought the second night was even looser. I thought it was a more of a party party feel it it was night two was night two was sort of the welcome to the hits show you know it's the set list that everybody's quite familiar with people some people were a bit upset about that that it wasn't a brand new show again but i mean how much choreography and how much how many shows can these people you know know these are still two completely separate shows this show was the hits it was sort of nothing compares to you it was uh, all of the stuff we've all seen before, but it was a huge party. I I, I liked the first night. The second night was amazing, um, but I, I just have a soft spot for the first night. He did open with Act of God, which is, I mean, aside from all the hits that you mentioned, that was a bit kind of odd. Again, I, I didn't yeah. know what I was getting into, so that was a cool surprise. And then they went into a, night two. They went into a lot of songs that they actually that, that we Australians happened to see in in Australia in two thousand and twelve. Yeah. But I thought they were, some of the songs were just taken into the stratosphere by the horn section again. You know, I'm not going to spend the rest of the t- our time on the show talking about them, but, <laughs> but I have to mention them on night two because what they did was they really spiced up songs like Cool and Party Man and, and, um, even like. Party Man was great. Yeah. Party Man's just amazing live. No matter where or who was playing that song, Party Man is just an anthem live. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, and, and you know it was a party vibe anyway, and he and he, and he brought it with that song and with the, with uh, songs like "Let's Work" and you got the look. And actually, "Let's Work" was probably I don't know if I'll say officially introduced by Nikki, but yeah, I think you certainly had a <laughs> yes, pa- I think you certainly had a part to play in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's so funny. So they're like finishing "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," and Prince is having like wiping his brow again and like taking a few moments. And then he does his big intro into Let's Work. And we all know it. He's like, so I think you guys are ready to work. And I was like, let's work. And he goes, exactly. And I just looked at my girlfriend <laughs> and we just screamed for about 30 seconds. Yeah, because he saw me. I mean, I knew roughly where you <sighs> were. And I heard someone yell out. I didn't know. You could hear it. It was audible. It was, not, it was like pretty quiet before they went into the song. And and I could hear I could I could hear you. I didn't know it was you at the time, but I could see him like look down and point at someone as he said it, and it was like, all right, it, it was a hardcore fan down the front. They know what's up. So that was so that, that <laughs> yeah. must have been you. He looked down and cool. he looked down and he saw that peach and black lanyard that Nikki had. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so he looked down and he saw me and my two girlfriends, all of us wearing bright red lipstick. <laughs> We'll have no to wonder ask. they all kept dancing in front of us. <laughs> we'll have to ask him about all that one day. Next time we talk, Prince, we can we can talk about Montreux. But he, he, they went from that to you got the look, you know, the one-two punch that we've heard before, and and that was awesome. There was lots of Damaris on the second night as well. Lots of Damaris dancing. I'll just mention. Yeah, I mean, she was all over the stage, and and it, the the, the, um, the band member on the bandwagon. <laughs> during during 1999 she had on this like toy soldier like marching jacket kind of thing and she was doing this whole routine where she was sort of marching around the stage and she had these sort of um i don't know if you remember mc she had these like uh 
sort of toy guns that had oh, obviously been loaded. That she had, that had yeah, been yeah. loaded with confetti, right? So she was supposed to pull the trigger and, you know, pop out all the purple rain over on the water. crowd. I was hoping for water myself. I was sweating up in that place. <laughs> That's really, really hot in there. My goodness. Um, yeah, and anyway, but these guns wouldn't work. She was coming around to the front and doing a little swaying and dancing to the music and trying to get ready to pull the trigger and have the confetti fly and it just didn't happen. So she had to go back to, she had to go to the back and like I think swap the gun and she did the whole swagger out the front again and it's 1999 and dancing and singing and pull the trigger and it didn't go off again. And like it took her like four goes until she finally got one that worked and like 50 (laughs) sad little pieces of like purple rain just like dropped down onto the floor in front. <laughs> show, show him the gun, Damaris. Yeah, so, oh, some God. of some of our listeners will, will know that obscure <laughs> the obscure reference I just made. <laughs> then they went into a song I think entitled something along the lines of Shades of Umber. Umber. I yeah. for one have never heard that before or since, but it made a really big impact on me. It's this crazy winding multi part instrumental. It, it was really cool. I, look, I, I have no idea what the song is. Never heard it before, like I said. But it was um, it was really cool, and it really showed off the instrumental prowess of the band, in particular that kind of core bass, drum, and um, either on the rhythm guitar part of the band. And then after that, they went into Days of Wild, and like Nikki said, nothing compares to you, Mutiny, and on and on. They repeated some of the songs from Night One, and by that stage, again, it was a party. Horns into Overdrive. It sounds like the same things I said about night one, because in effect, uh, by that stage, it really was. Um, Let me just mention something we're forgetting to mention is that during any interval between sort of, sort of say part one and part two of the show, when the crowd wants to start revving up the band to get them to come back on stage, you get your usual Prince chants, you know, your OEOs, blah, 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 blah. But this thing happened in mm, Montreux, mm. which I've never <laughs> experienced before, and I don't think I'll ever experience it again. Did they Did they pass around a bucket? And I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know. No, that wasn't it. No, it wasn't. No, no bucket. And I didn't. I, I wouldn't have had any was... change play. I only had hundred dollar bills. Just yeah, like, sure. <laughs> I only had plastic anyway. I, I just. I don't know what it was. MC, maybe it, you know it's some European thing. I'm not sure, but the crowd all of a sudden. And I was looking around like dumbfounded, like, what the hell is happening? This is so weird, but I'm digging it and I'm going to do it. I'm going to join in. And you put your arms up in front of your face, like up in the air, but sort of directly in front of you and shake your fingers. And the whole crowd just with this like really spirit spirit fingers, but out in front, this really monotone hum, like, "Mm," and it went on for like five minutes and it's like this really, really no, but it's like it's really hypnotic and and amazing. I think it's like a um, it's really incredible. I think it's like a soccer thing where they do it to put like if they're doing penalty shootouts and stuff or something, and yeah, 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 yeah. they do it to distract them. Yeah, they yeah. do it in the basketball as well. Yeah, it's oh, a see, sports, I would not know a sports throws. reference like that. Yeah, no, yeah, I just yeah. said, I don't know if that's what it's right like, over my head. They do a similar thing in the basketball when they're shooting free throws. They try and put them off by doing that. Yeah, it's actually, it is a sports reference, but it's used sometimes to put the other teams off, and sometimes it's, it's used as a, um, kind of like a, like a rev up, you know, yeah. like, like when, when your team's just scored a goal and you, and you're in the lead, and you kind of like, it's hard to explain, YouTube it. Well, it's, it's much, <laughs> it's much easier to keep going. 
for long periods of time because it's quite um, monotone. Yeah. Um, otherwise, everyone starts a chant and then it ends up in a clap and then it starts into a new chant. Like this was, it wasn't like peach and black, peach and black. Yeah, we, we tried to start that chant. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that's a that's a really that's a memorable, really weird. But I was really digging it, and you've got to get into it and get amongst it and get all right up in it. And we did, and it was cool. And I liked it. And it really worked. <laughs> they they came out, the band came out again, they tore the house down, created one of the biggest parties Montreux and certainly the auditorium Stravinsky's ever seen or heard, and they, they shut it out. So it was two massive nights of Prince and the NPG uh, at the Montreux Jazz Fest, and just when you thought it couldn't get any better, there was one more night remaining. <laughs> well, hang on, before we go into night three, something I've got to ask. You're saying they're playing songs like two times in both nights mm. so then the first thing that pops into my head is were they filming like was obviously they film every show but was there any implication that there was a, a, a proper filming going on for uh, perhaps a blu-ray or something there was no implication that i could it's not as if they had signs out the front that said you know you are being filmed for an official dvd yeah. but were there more cameras but than you may have expected n- no there were i didn't see a single camera a single extra camera from where i was uh, standing on any of the nights in comparison to 2009 or any other Montreux show I've seen. However, the rumour is that there were extra hidden cameras that you couldn't see. And it's very possible because, you know, like they've got, uh, without going getting into the technical details, Montreux's got a really good setup for filming their shows anyway, and they've got permanent cameras. But I, yeah. I, I've heard from a few people, that a few fans that were there, that there were extra cameras kind of around the stage and behind the stage and, and on the stage. So I think like a total of nine camera shots potentially. So, you know, the, the rumor is that they were filmed using more cameras. The rumor is that there are more angles to choose from for, for whoever's editing this potential DVD. But the real question is, and I, I don't know what Nikki's gut feel is, the real question is, will it be released and who knows? But the other question is, you know, there's three nights. <laughs> The other question is, will the peach and black T-shirt be left in the edit? That is the only question. Yeah, come on, oh, tell, tell the, the story. The only question. I totally forgot about this. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Very good. Um, during night one, I can't remember if the peach and black shirt made an appearance at all. I think I had it on me, but it, it kind of didn't enter any, any of the cameras. On the second night, probably three quarters of the way into the show, I just said, you know, Screw this! I'm um, I'm waving it up at every opportunity now. Like as the you and, had no shame at this point. You yeah. sort of thought to yourself, "This is it. This is my one chance. Exactly. No holds barred. No shame. Who was going for?" It? And so, so I think on night one you were kind of embarrassed about it. You were like, yeah. "By I, night two, you I were, had you wearing. You were gagging for it." I, I, on night one, I was. I, I think I had used the very limit of my celebrity to actually. <laughs> So night two, I was like, yeah, okay, I might just get the shirt out. And I did get the shirt out. I was holding it up towards the end of, towards the end of the second show. And what was happening, like, Montreux's got a really cool crane camera that comes around and swoops and gets a really, you've probably seen it on the official DVDs from, from the festival. And as that was happening, I started putting up the shirt. And the thing is, you know, People are waving and stuff and fans are carrying on, but no one's holding any signs. No one's holding any shirts. And so 
I got it on the screen a few times, and you know, <laughs> as as I'm, <laughs> and it was always at the end of songs, you know, like the last few songs of the show, and they would pan the audience, and I'd put it up, but it was really like from a pretty far distance, okay, and unless you're looking out for it, and unless it makes the DVD, which now that Prince is listening to us talking about it, there's no yeah. chance in we're, we're officially jinxing this DVD right here. <laughs> in fact, the DVD probably won't be released because the people. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that happened was right at the end of the show, after the last track, all that camera was doing was panning the audience. And so I just said, that's it, bucket. I'm putting up the shirt and I'm not moving until this camera. So the camera's going and, and I can see it. It's on the, it's on the screen, right? It's part of the footage. And all of a sudden, the camera kind of like swoops down a little lower and starts zooming in directly <laughs> into me. <laughs> And it's like zooming in onto the shirt. So for potentially, I don't know, five, six, seven seconds, the only thing that anyone would have seen close up <laughs> on the both screens at Montreux, Pete and Black shirt. I felt so proud. You guys would have well, been proud. Uh, well, you guys got tweeted about it. People did see it. Mm. It was, you know, it was it was news. And Prince, I think Prince saw it. Can you I don't, imagine, yeah, can you I, imagine him watching playback of the show after after the concert back yeah. in his hotel room? What the hell was that? <laughs> Who let them in here? Yeah. <laughs> that was like he was staring into the distance, and all of a sudden he did a double take. Like, you know, you know when someone you know, when someone reads something that they're like, yeah. "What? I wasn't expecting that." He did a double take, and then you just sort of see him sign off and all those guys again. <laughs> Um, so, so that was that was really Londell, Londell. Yeah. <laughs> that that was that was awesome. But um, whether he saw that particular footage on that particular night, we'll never know. But people were coming up to me after the show, going, "Oh, I saw I saw the Peter Black shirt on the screen. That was awesome." So we made some, we made some new friends that night. That was that was fantastic. All thanks go out to Captain, who actually you know got got organized those shirts for us all those years ago with yeah. the biggest possible font that the yeah. printing people <laughs> <laughs> so so that works um it's a it's a cool shirt so then with much fanfare night 2 was done um a lot of shenanigans after the shows as well but there was still one more night and in in the eyes of many fans i think Possibly the biggest and best night of the entire Montreux experience. And of course, I'm talking about night three. The general sentiment online was people were sort of a bit let down because Prince hadn't touched the instrument. Well, so, so like. It was a small group of people, I think. Yeah, a small group of people, but it's sort of like reading stuff here in Australia, that's what it seemed like that there was like the primary thing. Like in the sense that, you know, like the, the information that was coming into, like into us or from he here in Australia was like most of the crowd seemed disappointed. I read a review where they said they went to 10 or like these are these European fans that have been to like 10, 20 shows and they were saying like, oh, you know, the two Montreux shows were like the worst ones I've ever been to and. I was yeah, just like, I was seeing like, that. And like, yeah, I was seeing few, that too. Especially the second show, some people said they walked out halfway through. Yeah, and I was reading that. And I was thinking, There's always well, like, people. You'll always find the odd person. Oh uh, yeah, of course, that. of course, of course. But there was like a general this sentiment, like that spoils. people. Yeah, people were. You know, it wasn't one or two. It was like a, quite a few of them. And so I, I thought, I will oh, say know. that when we ran in on night two, and everyone was looking for pedals, and there's no pedals there set up. 
but again, they had the mm. whole NPG horn, like that whole setup was there. That yeah. was when I, it, what I did feel, I did hear it. People ran in, there were no pedals and people were like Grind. vocally, vocally upset about it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like everybody knew that it was going to be two. Well, I mean, the general sort of consensus was that it was going to be two NPG shows and one Third Eye Girl show. So you were either going to get it in the second, the first, second, or third night. I think the way it played out was great. They left Third Eye Girl were ready to give them to give their all on the third night, and they did. And I'm sure people, I'm sure it shut people up at that stage. Like people are just spoiled. I I just hate complainers. Really yeah, you tell me. them. Yeah, bugs me. So tell us your review of Night 3. Oh, it was rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I walked yeah out, it wasn't really I walked worth out it. after Endorphin Machine. Oh, my God. Endorphin Machine. Because there was nowhere machine. to go after that. Oh, my God. So... Was, was, there, was there cowbell in Endorphin Machine? I was... Wow, you've just preempted my whole story. Okay. If anybody knows Peach and Black, anybody knows Peach and Black, if anybody knows Endorphin Machine, you, you will know... The, the main selling point, or, or the least, sell, the, the worst <laughs> selling point, is the cowbell in that song. And you guys have been talking about this for, for five years. years. For five years. Now, we've got a new band. We've got Hannah, we've got Ida, and we've got Donna, and we've got Prince. And who's going to play cowbell? Like, is Prince going to play cowbell? No. Joshua Welton, Hannah's husband, comes out <laughs> wearing a T-shirt that says... In print as big as the Peach and Black T-shirt, Cowbell. And he plays, <laughs> he plays Cowbell behind Hannah throughout that track with the most, the most physical, like, commitment I've ever seen to a Cowbell musician. I think that's awesome. It was, it he was must awesome. know, like, that, that's been a fan joke for years, like, uh, <laughs> fan like, joke. It has been, it's always every, <laughs> you know, every it's, it's, I think it's been, it's just been a joke in general. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, it's like you, you mentioned Endorphin, you're talking to a fan, you mentioned Endorphin Machine, and someone's gonna make, talk about the yeah, cowbell. cowbell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the album version's ruined. But Josh was great, I mean, he really brought it. <laughs> the cowbell was going off. The t-shirt may have been one joke too far, but for people that understood it, it was hilarious. <laughs> well, that's good. They made reference to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I was just going to say that Third Eye Girl, well, it was the European debut of Third Eye Girl as as a band with, with Prince, you know, out the front, which is number one. And so that's a pretty big deal. The first time that some of Prince's most uh, committed and in some cases most <laughs> <laughs> enthusiastic or crazy fans are seeing this this much hype band and and I think you could really feel it in the room like the energy was different for night three um, yeah. you could tell that it was going to be a different band and from the minute that he introduced them all on stage the vibe and the mood was different now of course it was different because it was a rock show but there was something else about it it was like okay I'm about to give you something a little bit more you know like night one and night two were unbelievable for a number of reasons but I'm about to you know Whoop Montrose behind and yeah. both Prince and, and Third Eye Girl proceeded to do that. And they opened with a song that he's played many, many times in his career. Let's go crazy. But, you know, not, not the way that most people have heard it live before. And I, for one, was blown away. I don't know what your take on it was, Nikki, but. Oh, because um, you haven't heard that slow version, have you? Because you avoided everything. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, I've, I've heard Let's Go Crazy live. So many times, mm. you know, he's played on so many TV shows and, you know, online and everything. And this was something else. 
you know. Yeah, he he whipped he whipped the crowd up into a absolute frenzy opening with that. You know, a few people have I had heard it already, and I didn't really think that much of it. But seeing it live, and the crowd it was like a mob mentality that night. Like mm. everybody was just waiting for Third Eye Girl to come out, and then as soon as they as soon as he oh my god he's strapped on his guitar he came out he introduced the girls he had a bit of the thunder a bit of the lightning and then they went into uh let's go crazy reloaded i mean it just set off the whole evening it was it was something so 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 diverse from what we'd seen the second the first two nights um you're right mc he was it's like night one and two he was just relaxing having a bit of fun but night three he was serious you know he's ready to to give it yeah, and he yeah. did. He gave it. Yeah, and you can feel it, and it, and everything changes, and it's like a, there's this aura around the guy where something happens. <laughs> it's like a it's like a switch, you know. And um, mm. he, his vocals were really raw. I have to say, they were impassioned throughout the whole night, and and they started with, from the get go with "Let's Go Crazy," but that was a badass version. Like it was, it really affected me. Like the impact was was incredible, and then. Obviously, the song that followed Let's Go Crazy was a massive deal for me because it was... Because you thought you'd never... You you thought you would never hear this song live. That's right. I mean, it was... It's been a running kind of joke or theme of the show and um, I'm probably Endorphin Machine's biggest fan (laughs) other than Joshy. Uh, I wish I had Joshy sign with me and I would have thrown it up on the stage. But, you know, what, what can I say? What can I say? An awesome version with great solos by both uh, Donna and Prince. And, um, you know, the song just rocks out. It was like, a, you know, Nikki talked about Dark and a few other of her favorite moments. I think that has to be the, the one for me for obvious reasons. So yeah, it'll be something I'll never forget. You know, it was just yeah. just nuts. You know, like who, who yeah. thinks they're going to hear that? I hate you. <laughs> no, he didn't play that, Captain. Shut up. <laughs> so, uh, oh god, I mean, and then they went into Screwdriver, and like for the fans this year, 2013 has been a big year. From when they first sort of started playing those games with us, like who is Third Eye Girl, and then Screwdriver comes out, and we've got Fix Your Life Up and a few of the new songs. To actually see them live. Um, and to see that played live was a really special moment for me as well. The whole Third Eye Girl set is like a fan's dream. It really is a fan's dream. Yeah, I agree. I'm sure you'd agree with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, the like you, you look at that set list, and it's the kind of stuff that that plenty of fans have done. You know, when you kind of you have these conversations with with your friends, you know, other and other fans, that what would be the ultimate set list? What would you love to hear? And like you read this, I'm looking at it right now, and it's you're right. It's just out of this yeah. world good. I know. You know? She's Even always in my head. Oh. A lovely make. I could never take the place of your man. Guitar. I mean, I just it just goes on. Bambi. Yeah. The Max. I mean, yeah. the Max. Really, <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. Prince. Yeah. Really? Well, you know, Peach and Black did review that album and did make special <laughs> mention of that song just shortly before the Montreux <laughs> show. Not taking any credit though. But, oh, I'm um, yeah. yeah. Was nuts. I mean, Screwdriver, I'm not the biggest fan of that track, but you know what? It rocked the heck out. It was, yeah. like, so powerful, and it's always different, you know, in the live arena, but uh, I much prefer the live versions of, of that particular song. Yeah. And we've been hearing him play um, She's Always In My Hair and I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man since last May, since yeah. Australia, yeah. really. 
But these two versions have sort of been revamped again, just a little bit with a few um, uh, extra sort of licks and things and some really amazing call and response to the yeah. audience that are yeah. becoming really fan favourites now. So I'm, ugh, I was digging that. That was another moment where all the women in the audience just turning to each other with these dazed expressions. Like, are, are you seeing what we're seeing? Yeah. Do you understand what is happening in this room right now? Like, it's <laughs> it's it's one of the, you can't you can't you can't explain it. Just the women just turn and stare at each other with our mouths, our jaws on the ground. And I was again at the really at the front of the, the front of the room, and I can see his fingers. I can you know, just when just watching him play. Like I could have. Just just drop to my knees and just like oh it's it's tiring just being that attracted to someone <laughs> it's not a dating service Nikki, but i know what you mean and um, so and I, i'm just imagining while this just, is happening just, just, just so imagining, much talent in those fingers i'm just imagining while this Nikki. is happening mc's off in the corner going don't you know who i am <laughs> very good very good but um prince i mean when he when he went into she's always in my hair which is on any given day my favorite prince song of all time um yeah. you know along with endorphin machine and a few others okay he's played that this song before but it was like eight or nine minutes and he oh. was slowing it down and breaking it down and there was a you know, there was like a, yeah, exactly. And there was like a, it was like a minute solo for, for Ida on the bass to like really take her time and, and kind of, you know, groove on the song. And, and there was a classic, classic moment. Uh, at least I, I think I heard this where Prince said, <laughs> right after he introduced Ida on the bass, he said something like, uh, take your time, grandma. And I, <laughs> I know. I, yes, I think he did, did say did that. Did you hear that? I heard something like, yes. take your time, grandma, or, you know, Take it easy, or take it slow, Grandma. And I just that that was a fun, another funny one. I wonder if Ida got the joke, but um, that that version of "She's Always in My Hair" is the best version I've ever heard. No, like yeah, I agree, hands down. No, yeah, exactly. Like just no comparison. Love we make with Prince on on piano playing beautiful. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like back back in under the Cherry Moon days. You know, he's just doing all these little princely lines on the, yeah, on the keys. Well, I mean, there were parts on Sometimes It Snows in April where it was un- under the cherry moon all over again. It was like Christopher yeah. Tracy, you know. Um, Christopher Tracy returned momentarily. Uh, <laughs> I like your Tony M reference. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a random mm. cowboy. <laughs> yeah, sounded like it. So, yeah, I mean, just, just going back to that third show quickly, I mean, there were so many other great songs that were played. Um, Bambi was mentioned, the, the Max, out of all songs. Cause and Effect, Obscure as the Anything. Breakdown. But Yeah. Wow. Come what on, do you say? you've got to tell me, is Breakdown actually that good a song? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is? Yes. 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 Breakdown is on the level of like any super ballad. Like I'd yeah. say adore insatiable yeah. quality. Like ladies, if you want some time with your fellow like men, <laughs> like you need you need dark, you need the breakdown, you need like oh just all those slow jams. If he did one show of just that, my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a big I thought it was a big deal. I mean, um you know, b- before the breakdown he he, he went back into his into his back catalogue and, and did a really jazzy version of When We're Dancing Close and Slow and then and they went f- from that into like some funky stuff and then into Dreamer. So, you know, look at the versatility in just those three tracks but then f- finished the, the main part of the show with an incredibly 
emotional or emotive version of uh, the breakdown. Again, I had never heard that song before. Blew my socks yeah. off. It really yeah. did. Like it was just spine tiggling. Amazing ballad. But this may have been written about. But the horns came out at the end of the breakdown to to kind of you know take it even. I don't know where you can take it. It was already it was already incredible, but they tried to take it to the next level. Except they weren't mic'd, <laughs> so it's pretty yeah. hard to to. Um, it was pretty hard to hear them. But um, you know, if there is a DVD or Blu-ray release, hopefully they'll overdub that part and nothing else. <laughs> well, that I mean leads you into the big finale of the whole three nights. Really, is the the, the sampler set, and you've got Larry Graham on stage. You've got the horns. The whole the whole band is out there, and then they bring up about thirty forty people um, from the crowd. To start dancing, you know, opening with When Doves Cry. Um, I had some girlfriends up on stage dancing. And then our friend from night one bears his face again and gets up on stage. Mr. Mobeen, that's right. <laughs> Mr. Mobeen, yes. And dances his little heart out, shaking his, fin- shaking his finger at Damaris like, uh-uh. You ain't dancing with me. Yeah, that no, was no, this is this is my stage. <laughs> so this is the guy that sold me the tickets and probably one of the biggest fans in in the building, you know. And he's and he's loving it. He's loving his time on stage along with thirty or forty other people. But that moment that Nicky's just talking about was absolutely hilarious because it's like anyone that would be chosen by Demarest to dance with would be probably a bit shy or in awe or. But, but whatever the case, they'd probably at least kind of shake it for her, you know, or, or at least give it a shot. But he's like, uh-uh, this is my time. And he kind of like, he basically like flogs her off. <laughs> it was hilarious to see. Uh, yeah, she just turned around like, oh, I'm not going to bother with that one. <laughs> he just took his place center stage. Oh, it was gold. I was just surprised by the sampler set making an appearance at Montreux. I'm not going to say I was disappointed by it because it was um, strangely enjoyable, um, especially the especially the fact that it was really the sampler set as I'd never heard it before. I mean, the band were backing up probably half to three quarters of the songs. You know, like Hannah on the drums and Eda on the bass were they were adding to it. But the, yeah. the craziest thing that I've ever heard that I, I never thought I'd experience in any sh- way, shape, or form was live horns while playing all the horn parts of Housequake while Prince basically introduced the sample of Housequake. So that was like a really weird experience, but it was I thought it was off the chain. It was like, mm. you know, Housequake is an awesome song, so you can you can just, you know, count that count that sucker in and it you know, the whole place becomes a house party. But then like MPG horns on top of that? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they were loving, they were loving life as well. Like it was the end of their run there. They'd done so well. It was such a party. You've got like saxophone on Sign of the Times. Mm, You've got Larry picking up Eda's bass when they're, you know, going into love and raise up. That was my favorite part. Love Love is great. I really love that track. And he, they, the sampler set was half an hour. Mm. He just turned the auditorium into like a big rave. So it did end on a on a on a high, like a third eye girl, and then into a thirty minute sort of dance party. It was it was. What, good. what else can you possibly ask for? You know, <laughs> when yeah. you think about it, you know, just that night alone. But then you got night one, night two, the whole experience, the fans, the atmosphere, the location, um, potentially filmed for release. Who knows? Um, Speaking of which, cowbell. <laughs> do do you want to see a DVD? Because I asked you this question before the concert, and you go, no, not really. <laughs> Have you changed your mind on that? This is before I left for for overseas. Yeah, when we were talking, and oh, you know, I I think just 
whatever happens happens. I'm I'm not particularly fussed either way. I okay. I've got another few yeah. questions. <laughs> My next question is: If all three nights are filmed and he only releases releases one night, which would you want it to be? Oh, I think that's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> night two. <laughs> <laughs> obvious. obvious. Okay, no, I'd like- okay. And then my third question is: Do you think he will do a one night alone and butcher it? Just like take random songs, cut them, maybe even cut them short, do weird angles, <laughs> like really butcher it and then release it that way. Live at the Aladdin. Yeah, I think uh, he'll do what he was, he's doing it on Third Eye TV. He'll he'll film a laptop screen and then <laughs> release that as the DVD. So. <laughs> Uh, who, who knows? But one thing I will say is, it, it's all hypothetical anyway, but I would love to see a compilation of all three nights in one kind of like two hour block. This sounds strange, me saying this, but rather than all three nights in a row, I think it's just. Oh, come on. No, I'm being serious. I mean, this is. The- uh, let me put it this way. Okay. So, so literally, they release a two hour version. Yeah. Of compilation or, and, and they release the full three shows, three disc Blu-ray. Okay. As crazy as this is going to sound. You're, you're not going to buy the three disc Blu-ray. No, I'd buy anything that comes out. But the point is, if I have to choose, I'd rather Montreux highlights of the first two nights and probably, um, the, the whole third eye girl show or something like that. Like I really loved everything I saw and I was chilling anyway I mean to give you an idea you know I was half an hour late for the first show it wasn't like make it or break it was like whatever whatever happens I'm having a good time at this place but it was a party the first two nights were a party and I've never seen that from Prince on that to that degree and it was awesome it was fantastic but it wasn't his most polished show like you know we're hardcore fans and we've seen probably everything there is to see from a, you know, like all the footage, all the live footage out there and being there live was incredible. But I think a highlights from the first two nights, Nikki's probably going to slap me over this, but I think a hi- highlights from the first two nights would be a better experience watching it at home than every little like warts and all to, to, to toe jams and everyone else. And I think players question about like a DVD release, like to showcase musicians. I think a, a well edited, really well compiled kind of summary of the entire experience would be better than every single second. There are parts where Donna's is soloing and I'm not missing Prince at all. Like I'm thinking, man, this this might even be better in parts, you know, like she's just really got the energy. She's a rock chick. She, she kills it when she gets on, you know, in, in the, in the zone. Going back and finishing the shows, you yeah, can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't put a foot wrong. You know, and night three was Prince's vocals incredible. His piano playing was sublime. The guitar playing was out of this world. Donna brought her game. Hannah brought her game. Ida, as Bernie Nicky's review, was a boss on the bass and in general, just really a rock solid part of that band. And, um, you know, with, with the pink strings and everything, I mean, it all comes together as one complete package. Killer show. An, an incredible job by everyone, and they really brought it. Like they lifted their game to a to a level that you rarely see. And you know they brought it for Montreux. What more can I say? Okay, here's, here's it's a good question. to see. It's good to see musicians that are actually um, performers, not just musicians. Yeah, I think Prince is teaching them a lot about stage presence and being a showstopper, especially the horns. Those guys, they give it their everything. They dance, they sing, they move around. Like they are the party. So. MC. Yeah, it was awesome. Yep. In 30 seconds or less. <laughs> you know, that's com- impossible. Com- <laughs> comp- 
compare 2009 to 2013 Montreux? Ah, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted oh, to I ask. I knew you yeah. were going to say this, and it's unfair. Montreux. And I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's <laughs> so unfair. But Montreux 2000. Uh, I shouldn't say this, but okay, Montreux 2013 doesn't hold a candle to 09. Wow. Doesn't hold a candle because, in my opinion, Montreux Prince's two shows in one night performances in, at the 2009 Montreux Jazz Festival. Aside from the fact that I was there and I loved every minute, and it was a particular kind of, you know, it was a special, special in my heart. I think he brought his game in a way that he very rarely does. From a musician's standpoint, the guy was on fire. You know, like he was really imp- improvising. For anyone that has the opportunity to, to see or hear those shows in any capacity, do it, and you'll see what I mean. I mean, it's like you know that that scene in Purple Rain where the kid has to he comes back and he's got to prove. That, you know, he's the main yeah. man, you know, like the kid is back. That's what Montreux 2009 is to me. But at the same time, it's a different thing. Like Montreux. It's a different beast, yeah. It is. Montreux didn't have a single horn. And Montreux didn't have 95 minute rock show, extraordinary rock show by an all girl band that, you know, you know, kick ass. So it's, it's a different beast. I think the ultimate, the ultimate Prince Montreux Blu-ray for me, would be disc one, a compilation of the best of 2009 and disc two, a compilation of the best of 2013. <laughs> and that would be, and that, and you put that on a shelf, ain't nobody competing with that. You know, Springsteen ain't got nothing on that and no one else does either. It's like that, that's the ideal, but yeah, that ain't never going to happen. So, well, that was a lot more than 30 seconds, but okay. Yeah. I told you I was never going to do it. So that's that. Shoutouts, a very quick one. Peter from the Netherlands, you know who you are. Uh, big ups to you. Thanks for spotting me in the crowd. Mo Bean, of course. We've mentioned your name about 10 times now. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, who else? Who else? Nikki, anyone? Uh, Danny and Ash, of course. Oh, that's right. Yes, of course. Um, my girls. Uh, the ladies and your your beautiful wife. Yes. Orlando, of course. Orlando's his wife. <laughs> 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 hey, don't we have to um, shout out Andy Allo as well? Oh, that's right. Yeah, the La Mariquene with La Mariquene. I've butchered that name. That was that show, actually. <laughs> At the Hopefully. at the show in Paris, um, yeah, that was a that was off the chain, off the charts. And in fact, I know this is going to sound blasphemous, but Andy, you and your band did a smoking hot version of People Pleaser, a version that I put above the version that Prince and the MPG did at Montreux. So, <laughs> big ups on that. I mean, that was anyone that was anyone that was in in the room that night when when uh, Andy Allo and band and horn section did people please her and so it's a different horn section isn't yeah it? but she's got a she's got a band that is on fire and they're on point as well and they, you know that i don't know where she got that horn section from but it's those guys are off the chain as well i mean smaller they i think it's probably like a four piece but um yeah she's really bringing it and andy's like night and day i mean she was she was a cool cool artist to check out a couple of years ago but now she's like really owning the stage and you know like a band leader and she's been grafting, like she deserves it. She's really been grafting, like Andy's. Andy's got like pure natural talent, so I hope to see like bigger things for her in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, and not off the cool. back of, and not off the back of Prince. Like she, she, she can rock it herself. I think so. Hopefully, the next couple of years, she'll, she'll, she'll really start to shine. Definitely, and maybe an Australian tour one day, Andy. What do you say? You yeah. never know. <laughs> 
I reckon they could do the basement. Yeah. By the time she gets here, there'll be an after show. She'll be playing the Enmore Theatre and State Theatre probably. But she should come to London and do um, Ronnie Scott's jazz. I'll be there. <laughs> really cool. So, so what's yeah. the quick story? There was like a meet and greet afterwards. And okay. You couldn't- the missus and I went there to catch the show. It was like a third third night in Europe, and um, I found out she was playing. We went there, uh, caught most of the gig. It was awesome. As I was walking out during the last song, because we had to go, I'm walking past the merchandise stand and I see all these CDs. And I, I you know, I haven't, I, I never bought the album, so although I heard it, and so I bought one CD. And then for some reason, I don't know what entered my mind that she announced during the show that she was going to do a meet and greet after the gig. And I was like, oh, there's going to be so many people. I've got to go. We're in a rush. I don't want to stand in line. And so just in the moment, I said to the girl, can you give me another CD? And she goes, okay. I'm like, I'm going to buy the second CD, but I want to leave it with you. And she's looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? And I'm like, but I need a, I need a black texter or something. Have you got one? And she's like, yeah, we've got one here. So she gives it to me. And so I pay for these two albums. We put one in the, in the bag and, and I just wrote that message on the second one. And then I tried to explain to her as best I could that like I bought it, but I want to leave it here. And it's for Andy. She'll know, she'll know who I am. <laughs> you know who I am. This is from MC. She knows. So I wrote that message and I just said, look, just make sure that she gets it and just, she'll know who it's from. Please make sure she gets it. Gets it. So I don't think she Andy ever got it that night. Well, on Facebook, she said she found it in the luggage or something. She was unpacking and she found it in there. <laughs> there must be like all the leftover stuff they didn't sell, and <laughs> she just sees that. <laughs> so that's that's pretty cool. I never thought that would end up on Twitter, but that's pretty cool. So I, I just felt like writing her a message. I, I wanted to do something different in case of being, you know, like the usual fan, just usual stalker. Yeah. yeah. Sign my shirt. <laughs> Just like the usual stalker. I want to be a creative stalker. <laughs> so, Thanks, anyway. Andy. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Any more shout outs? Yeah. Shout out to Nikki. Thank you for coming on. Yay. <laughs> Yay. It's, it's been, <laughs> Thanks for the raucous round of applause. It's, it's been, been my pleasure. Oh. <laughs> it's been great. Been uh, no, I, I, I will say that going to Montreux with you guys sort of in my back pocket, so it were, was, was very, very fun and people were really responsive and they love you and, um, thank you for rep- I love you and oh. I, yeah, and I love you. I just, yeah. Keep up the good work. You guys are my friends and I am, Aww. you know, really proud of you. Uh, Yay. Isn't that nice? Thank you. Thank you so much. And you pleasure. never know, you might be back on the show at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. Don't Thanks. you know who we are? Uh, <laughs> don't you know who I am? There were people going, oh, it's, it's Nikki. Nikki. It's Nikki. <laughs> it's Nikki. It's Nikki from Peach and Black. You're world Nikki. famous. You're world famous. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all you got to say from now on. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for everyone for, for coming out and um, getting together to talk about Montreux. An amazing experience, and um, it was great sharing it with you, Nikki, and with everyone else. Um, special shout-out, another extra special shout-out to Orlando as well, just for the whole thing. You were a legend for those three days, and it was um, it was great. You know, I, think, I don't think anyone, any of us will ever forget it. That's for, sure. for everyone listening, um, you may see the Peach and Black T-shirt at the end of an official DVD if <laughs> Prince doesn't cut it out. <laughs> let's see have that a, classic. Prin- let's see that classic Prince sense of humour just one more time. <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> or maybe o- maybe open the DVD with that shot. That'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll probably be pixelated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so have you had your fill now? 
I have. Uh, you're done. Yeah. You're done. No, that, Until that was it. We've Until heard this summer. before. So if there's an Australian summer tour, maybe day out or something, opera house, you're not you're not gonna not even slightest bit tempted. I, I'm I, I don't know. I might I might I might don't, log in don't when tickets go on sale. You know he's gonna freaking be there, <laughs> waving his shirt in the front row. <laughs> okay, with, with that, that's a wrap. I'm out of here. I'm absolutely spent. It was a pleasure. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.